Okay, well, that text uh, talks about weakness and strength, and the strength, is, of course, is in God. But uh, Paul is, uh, has, has just finished talking about the fact that he's, he was given a number of revelations. He was caught up into the third heaven, he said. And that because he, he received these revelations, something was going on within him, which basically uh, he's, he's calling it a temptation in his flesh. And he's, he's, uh, he said something was given to him, a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, to buffet him, lest he be exalted above measure. Now, there's some conjecture here, and that is that uh, that Paul was struggling with some sort of physical disability. That uh, he he may have been impaired physically, and sometimes when we read this, of course, that's that's what we think. But it says that there was given him a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. So somehow the devil was involved in this. And when he's talking about the temptation that he's having in his flesh, he's in all likelihood he's not talking about the fact that he is tempted to sin. He's not talking. I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's, he's talking about some sort of weakness that he has within himself that is not necessarily sinful, but it is debilitating. It's restraining him somehow. Now, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 14, many of you are aware of this, that uh, Paul was talking about his temptation that was in his flesh. He said, you didn't despise it. He said, my temptation in the flesh you didn't despise, nor reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spoke of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Now, from this, it's conjectured that Paul was physically impaired in his sight, that he was nearly blind. And so in talking about that particular temptation, which is... uh, a proof, that's what the word temptation means, a proving, that, uh, that he's talking about some sort of physical impairment. And from this text, people say, okay, that's, he was probably partially blind. But, but as you read the book of Acts and you read about the history of Paul, there is no indication in that divine scripture reference, historical reference, a sacred reference, that the Apostle Paul was suffering in any way from blindness or from temporary blindness or from short-sightedness or far-sightedness. There's nothing, nothing said in any of, these, any of the texts that talk about him that he had that sort of a disability. As a matter of fact, there's one text that tells us in Acts chapter 20 that Paul was on his journey back from Miletus and Troas and he crossed a little spit of land. And the text says that all of his companions went by sea. And he walked. 
and joined them at Asos. Now, if a man is suffering from blindness, he surely would be more comfortable riding in a ship on his journey than he would be in walking. But he walked. And then many of you recognize when we talk about what went on to Paul when he came to the city of Jerusalem and he was taken captive by the Roman centurion. And uh, he was he was warned at that time that he was going to be um, taken into custody and that some were going to take his life. That he was eventually standing before some Roman prelates and they examined him and then eventually he was shipped off to Rome. Went by ship. And on his journey, in a shipward journey, they ran into a storm, a bad storm. And in that context, Paul was shipwrecked. And when he, when he became shipwrecked, he had already given uh, advice to the soldiers, to the centurion that was in charge of him. He, he gave him advice to uh, make sure that no one abandoned the ship because an angel of God had stood by him during the night and told him if everybody stayed on board, that all would be safe. Well, some of the sailors decided they would abandon ship because they came in, they drove the ship into a sandbar and it was breaking up and they were going to send the lifeboats over the side and Paul saw them. So the man's not blind. He saw them trying to escape and he warned the centurion. And so they, they cut away the lifeboats and kept everybody on shore, or kept everybody on the ship. And then everybody got to shore on some of the damaged cargo they had and some of the, the, uh, the wood from the ship and so forth. Anyway, they all got to shore. When they got to shore, guess what Paul started doing right away? They built a fire and Paul went out and gathered sticks. Now, a blind man does not go out wandering around gathering sticks. So Paul's eyesight, what I'm, what the reason I'm telling you this is, I don't believe that his weakness in the flesh was his eyesight, his poor eyesight. It's something else. And it may not have been in a physical impairment. It may have been something else. And what I'll suggest to you is that Paul's impairment, his weakness in the flesh, may have been his insecurity. He may have needed friends around him to feel comfortable. And when they weren't with him, he was extremely uncomfortable. So, the devil sent him a thorn in the flesh. The devil prompted him, tempted him, tried to prove him because of his sense of insecurity. Now, here's why I believe that. When Paul went to preach the gospel to start with, he didn't go by himself. He took Barnabas with him. He and Barnabas went together. They stayed in a company of individuals who were out preaching. And eventually, when, when Paul and Barnabas came back to the city of Antioch from where they had been sent, they decided to go make another tour. And Paul decided, Paul said, well, he wasn't going to go if, if they took Mark along. Because he said Mark had quit them when they left Cyprus and went into Pisidia. So Paul's feeling toward Mark was he abandoned us. 
And that may have had something to do with Paul's sense of insecurity. So Paul took Silas with him, and he was always, or tried to be, always in the company of Silas. Now, he also came along in chapter 16, and they found a young man by the name of Timothy. And Paul almost adopted this fellow, or sort of adopted him, as his son in the faith, and so he became attached to Timothy. And Timothy provided a great deal, apparently a great deal of comfort to Paul. Now here are some texts for us to consider along this line. In Acts chapter 17 at verse 15, it says, They that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens. He was leaving the city of Corinth, and he was going to Athens to preach the gospel, but they sent him by himself. And that made Paul uncomfortable. This text tells us, They that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. He said, don't leave me here by myself. Go get Silas and Timothy and bring them. That, to me, indicates a a form of weakness, if you please. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And Jesus, who is called Justice, Paul is writing this letter, who are of the circumcision, these only, Paul is saying, are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. Paul needed a comfort in security. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10, Paul said, If Timothy come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he works the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. He was lonely. Paul needed companionship. Acts 23 at verse 11, when Paul was uh, under duress in the city of Jerusalem, he was afraid for his life. It says, The night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. Paul was depressed by himself in jail, in prison, under under arrest and under fear for his life. And he, he told Paul, he said, if you have, As you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so must you bear witness also at Rome. And then when he got to Rome and when he got before all the different ones who questioned him, he said, at my first answer, in first, or Second Timothy 4, verse 16, he's writing Timothy. He says, at my first answer, no man stood with him, but all men forsook me. Everybody forsook him, he said. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. Paul was by himself, but he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Okay. Now, Paul's weakness. What we're looking at is this text. He said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. But he said, my temptation that was in my flesh, he said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. What was his temptation? It may have been, and I think I can make that strong argument, that it was his his, uh, feeling of insecurity. He needed others around him to help bolster him up. 
that was a weakness. It wasn't a sin. It wasn't a sin. And when you feel weak, what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 12, when you feel weak and need to be strong, he's not talking about being weak in sin and tempted to sin. He's talking about a temptation that has to do with your psyche, with something that's going on inside your your heart and your mind, and some weakness that you're feeling that you can't handle by yourself. That's what was told Paul. And it was coming from the devil. Now, we know that God is not tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Every man, is, when he's tempted, is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. This is James chapter 1, verse 12. So, God's not going to tempt anyone, but the devil is. He's going to tempt in several different ways. And he's going to tempt you to sin in that way, drawn away of your own lust. But the temptation that Paul was talking about, when he's talking about being weak and then being strong in the grace, he can't be talking about weak in sin and therefore strong in grace because he's weak in sin. He can't be talking about that. He's talking about somehow the Lord is strengthening him when he needs to be strengthened because the devil is making him weak in some way other than sinfulness. Well, now you're not weak when you have faith. So he's not talking about... Paul didn't have a lack of faith. He wasn't weak in faith. In 1 Corinthians 16 at verse 13, Paul told the Corinthians, he said, Watch you stand fast in the faith. Quit like men. Be strong. Be strong. So when he talks about being strong here... He and being weak and the temptation of his flesh, he's not talking about being weak in the faith. Paul was not weak in faith. He talked about Abraham. He said Abraham wasn't weak in the faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. And when we read the Old Testament, we're reading of the, the concept that when you believe in God and when you depend upon God, you are strong. You're strong. Paul believed in God. He was strong. So when he talks about being weak, and when I'm weak, then I'm strong, he's not talking about being weak in faith because being weak in faith does not make you strong. Let's, let's think about it just a minute. The Old Testament passages, for instance, David said in 1 Corinthians 16, not 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11, he said, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. That involves faith. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart rests in Him, trust in Him, and I'm helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise Him. You get strong when you're strong in the faith. And in Psalms chapter 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You cannot be weak in the faith and be strong in the Lord. You follow me? Okay. That's, that's what we're talking about here. The Lord is my strength. Psalms 118 verse 14. And my song has become my salvation. But there is a time when you can be weak. And when you're weak, God makes you strong. Not weak in faith. Not weak in grace. Weak some other way. Some other way. And it's not sinfulness. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, Paul said, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Ephesians 6 at verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. So we can rule this weakness out, rule out the weakness that he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 12, which we're going to deal with. We can rule out the fact that it's not faith he's talking about, that he was weak in the faith. It's not grace that he's talking about. He wasn't weak in God's grace. What's he talking about? What kind of weakness is he talking about? Our weakness that he's talking about here brings us into God's strength. Somehow, when we get weak and recognize our weakness, God makes us strong. I don't know whether you figured this out yet or not, how that works. I hope I have. I hope that what I've figured out will help you come to that same conclusion. My weakness happens, the weakness that I think Paul is talking about, that is a psychic, a psychological weakness. My weakness comes about when I cannot figure things out when I am in trouble. When I can't see the solution to my difficulties. When I reach the end of my strength, end of what I can do, and I don't know what to do next. That's when I believe I'm weak. That's my weakness. Now, there are three things I'll, I'll talk with you this morning about. Just three things that uh, that can be involved in, in this this issue that's common to all men. I got the lid off. By the way, thank you, Julie. She ordered some fat pens for me. Let's see if they work. Okay. There are three things, three areas, where we become extremely weak. Not in faith, not in grace, not in God, but we become weak. We reach our limit of our strength, our understanding, and our ability. The first area that we usually think about, how's this? Can you read that? Financial. Money. I, I sometimes, we sometimes reach the point when, when we don't know where our next meal is coming from. We don't know where our next dollar is coming from. We don't know whether we're going to be able to meet our financial obligations. We don't know whether or not we can pay our bills. We don't know whether or not we can provide for those that we're, that we're responsible for. We just, we just come to the end of our financial strength and we think, now what can I do? How's this going to work out? I'm weak. And so, at that point, we have to recognize that we are weak. We're not sinful in that. We just don't know. And we, we don't have any strength. We, we don't know how we're going to put it all together and make it all work. We worry about it, don't we? We are concerned about it. The next is... Social. Social problems. Now, I'm just selecting these three areas to, to demonstrate what we're talking about when Paul is talking about when I'm weak, then I'm strong. In other words, when I have financial problems, I cannot resolve 
I have to depend on someone else to do it for me. And who is it? It's God. When I finally reach that point, when I say, and the devil, the de- you know the devil is the guy that makes the problems. He makes all of our problems. Social problems. Family problems. Relational problems. Issues where we, we're not sure. Fights among siblings. Quarrels. Words spoken wrongly. Ideas or thoughts that come into our mind that, that, uh, that disturb us. And, and we don't know how to resolve this. We don't know how to resolve a broken friendship, a broken marriage. We don't know how to resolve a, uh, someone who's had their feelings so hurt and who's been, who's been incensed or who's been offended at us. We, we don't know how to resolve that social problem. It could be the family. It could be the government. It could be society. It could be the neighborhood. The problems come up. And we, we do the best we can with our husband, with our wife, with our child, with our parent, with our grandparent, aunts, uncles, neighbors. We, we, have these, we don't know how to resolve that situation. We don't know how to make it right. And we run, out, we run to the point where we just don't have any way that we can make it right. So now what I'm saying is at that point, I am weak. I don't have the strength to do it. So now then, who do I turn to to help me? Well, I can turn to a friend and tell them my problems. I can turn to a peer and tell them my problems. I can turn to a psychiatrist and tell them my problems. A shrink. I can turn to a preacher and tell him my problems. I can turn to a spiritual counselor and tell them. Where do I get a solution to my problems? You see what I'm talking about? When you reach the point that you don't know how you're going to resolve this, how it's going to come out, you're weak. And then, of course, we have medical problems. Our health. Terminal illness. The loved one, the sick. We don't know that there's a cure. Someone that's, uh, we, we just don't know how to, how to handle what's happening and how to, how to help that individual and what, what we can do. And so now then we're at, we're at that point where, where we, don't, we don't have the, the solution. And, and behind all this, before I want to go any further, these, these three problems that come up in our lives, and will come up and have, it probably has come up in your life, these three areas, I know this, that the one who's made the trouble is the devil. He's the one that stuck the thorn in your flesh. And you've asked the Lord for results. For re- resolve this for me, please. Haven't you? Because you've reached, your, you've reached your pinnacle, you just can't go any further. I know this about God and about the devil. All the problems that you have in your life come from the devil, not from God. All the difficulties. I don't care what humanity says about everything else. We do know that all the problems that the world suffers because we're believers, we know this, suffers because of the intrusion, the unwelcome intrusion of the devil. He started all and he just keeps it up. So, 
The devil provides the disease. God provides the cure. The devil provides the war. God provides the peace. The devil brings the catastrophe. The Lord brings the cleanup of the catastrophe. The devil brings the storm. God builds the shelter. The devil creates the turmoil. God brings the peace. So when we're talking about problems, these kind of problems, when I say that I have financial problems, it is not because God took my money away or didn't give me enough money to live on. It's because the devil provided the financial difficulty that I'm in, maybe because of my unwise decision that I made with my money. For some other reason. Somebody else may have stolen my money. But it wasn't God that did it. It was the devil that did it. God brings about the resolution. The devil brings the problem. The same thing in terms of my social problems. having Getting along with my fellow man. The devil brings the, dis, the disruption. God will bring the resolution to that. The same thing with medical. Now, let's, 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 go, let's talk about this a little clearer, a little more. Let's talk about it in terms of, of uh, two... Let's see if I can get this lid off again. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it in terms of two different aspects or two different sides. We have sight, right? What I can see and what I can't see. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, he said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, when I have a financial problem, I want to see how it's going to work out. Right? I want to see the other side of the hill. Lord, I need to pay this bill. How are you going to help me pay it? I want to see that. That's my problem, you see. Paul said when I'm weak, what he said, what's he still, what, what the Bible tells me to do is, forget it, he'll take care of it. That's hard to do, isn't it? I want to see how he's going to take care of it. Because I know how financial things work. And so I want, to see, I want to see the resolution of it. What Paul said was, and what I have to understand is, when I'm weak, he is strong. I have to have faith. When Jesus rose from the dead, you remember the men that got together and uh, they, they wanted to see if he was alive? He, he came in and talked to several of them. Thomas wasn't there, you recall, in Acts chapter, or John chapter 20. When Thomas came, he said, well, I, I'm not going to believe unless I can see him, unless I can put my hand in his side and his, my finger in the nails in his hands. He said, I won't believe. And when, when Jesus presented himself and Thomas got to do this, he said, oh, my God, my Lord, my God. He, he believed. But Jesus said, blessed are those having not seen still believe. And he's talking about us. So, when we're talking about having weakness, we're talking about weakness in terms of finding a resolution for my problem. Right? 
And my faith should tell me that God can do it for me even if I don't know how He's going to do it. Even if I cannot see. Now what I've done is, I know, I know about all about financial stuff. I know about budgets. I know about uh, profit and loss columns. I know that if I overspend, I have to make it up somewhere. I know all of this. And so when I ask God to take care of me, what I'm thinking is, He's going to do it in that way. Somehow, He's going to do it that way. And so I'm looking for that. I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, Lord, you're going to do it this way. This is the way I think it ought to be done. And you know what? He may not do it that way. He may not do it that way. I'm sure you've all experienced situations where you thought you had difficulties that this is going to happen. Let me give you a little illustration. When Bonnie and I were, when I first started preaching, I went up to a little community up in the Sierra, foothills of the Sierras in California, a place where I, I don't even, I'm not even sure they wanted me there. But anyway, I was up there preaching. And uh, we ran out of money. Bonnie and I ran out of money. I had been uh, ha- having my former company. I was working for Douglas Aircraft, and I was putting away uh, bond certificates uh, in U.S. Treasury bonds for an emergency. And so we had gotten one in the mail, and it was $12.50. At that time, you could buy a loaf of bread for a quarter, a gallon of gas for about the same amount. So $12.50 was a lot of money for us. Anyway, we lost it. And I thought, well, if we could find that $12.50, we could... isn't that logical? Go find that check, cash it, get something to eat. So we went to the dump because they had taken our trash. And we went to the dump in the middle of the night with flashlights looking for that $12.50 check. Well, that's logical, right? Now, that's not what God wanted us to do, apparently. But we didn't find it. But the next day, a fellow came up to me when I was preaching and gave me a $20 bill. I would never... Never figured that. Would you? <laughs> no. Well, that just happened to us. I'm, I'm sure a lot of these things have happened to you as well. The point is, I, 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 did, I was weak in the faith. I should have been strong, but I was weak. I should have been weak enough to let God take over and solve my problem for me. But I wanted to solve it. So here I was digging around out in the trash heap middle of the night with a flashlight thinking this is the solution, if I can just find that check. Well, anyway, that's one, that's one area. Let's, let's think about another area. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, give you an illustration from Jonah in chapter 3. You remember the story about Jonah? God sent him to Nineveh to tell the Ninevites that, that he was going to destroy them. And Jonah decided he didn't want to go, so he took a ship from Tarshish and he, he just decided he'd, he'd run away. And God prepared a great fish and swallowed Jonah and finally burped him up on the land in Nineveh. And he got out and he went to Nineveh and he cried for three days. He told them that God's going to destroy them. And they repented. That, that's, what, that's what Jonah was preaching. Repent. 
And uh, they repented, to Jonah's surprise. And so that aggravated Jonah. So he went up on a hillside to sit and watch and see if God was going to destroy them anyway. And he did that. And it was hot. It was hot. And so it was so hot that that Jonah sort of fainted and fell over sideways. And he was aggravated. He wanted he wanted God to destroy them. So God developed a little bush and gave him some shade. Remember the story? So that he could be shaded from the sun. And that didn't help. That's not what he wanted. That's what he needed. That's not what he wanted. Are you getting my drift yet? When we look for solutions to our problems, we look for what we want, not what we need. Right? So in terms of social situations, here's what we want. We want to be well thought of. We want to be appreciated. We want to be part of the family. We want to be loved. We want others to look at us with respect. We want to be petted. We want, we want, we want. But what do we need? That's the point. God knows what we need. We know what we want. Now, here's, here's the thing. When we pray to God for something, when you pray to God for something, do you tell Him exactly what you want Him to give you? Sure you do. But that's not always what you need. Did you know that? That's not always what you need or what everybody else needs. It's what you want, but not necessarily what you need. What we should pray for, basically, is wisdom to allow God use his own judgment and discretion in giving us what we need, not necessarily what we want. James chapter 1 at verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. So what we need more than anything else in our prayers, in our financial, social, medical area, well, this this is a tough one right here. This is a tough one. Now, I know that all the difficulties and disasters that come about medically are, are from the devil. And when someone is hurting and having difficulty medically, I know what I pray for. I know what I want. But I'm not really sure that that's what I need. You follow What I want and what I need are two different things. And that's what gets people in trouble. When God does not give me what I'm asking for, I begin to lose faith in God. I want this person healed. I want them back to health. That's what I want. That way it may very well not be what God needs. I, have to have, I need to have the wisdom to say, Lord... Give me what I need, not what I want. Take care of this in terms of need, not want. 
Let him ask in faith, the text says, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 1 Corinthians 1 at verse 25 says that the foolishness of God is wiser than man, than man's wisdom. Stronger, better than man's wisdom. Even his foolishness is wiser than what we see. So my want may not comport at all with need. I don't know, really. When it comes to medical situations, when people are suffering and sick and so forth, I I ask God for certain things, but I better be willing to let Him do it His way instead of my way. Let Him take care of the situation rather than me. If the people do not make health and come back to, to health, that may not be what is needed anyway. I, I just don't know. I have to be strong in the faith. In my weakness, I have to be strong. I have to say, Lord, your will be done. Whatever happens will happen for the best because you know what's best. I don't. So we have my way. My way and his way. That bush is in my way. <laughs> but I, I've, got the, I've got it written down there anyway. I, what I tend to do when, I, when, I'm, when, I'm in, when I'm in need, when I'm having difficulties, what I tend to do is I, I get out my GPS. You know what a GPS is? Global Positioning Satellite. Get out my GPS. And I make a map. I make a map and say, okay, Lord, Follow this map. This is, what, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. Financially, here's how I want you to do it. Build up my bank account. Take care of my property. This is what I want you to do. So I've, I've got the map all laid out. My GPS is there. And I'm, I'm praying to God and saying, this, what I'm thinking actually is, when I ask you to do something, I'm contemplating that this is the way you're going to do it. This is the way you're going to do it. Socially, well, I'm telling you, man's unpredictable. We don't know what's going to go on. God is stable. He will arrange things to, to the benefit of everyone, not just me. You got that? Mm-hmm. Medically, He will arrange things for everybody, not just me. So other people may be praying the same thing. But, God will make the arrangement and He'll take care of it. And my faith should tell me that's what He'll do. I should say, as Isaiah chapter 55 says in this particular text, verse 8 and 9, He says, For my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. So here I am, puny little Bill down here, thinking, here's the way you ought to do it, Lord. This is my way. Here's how I think it ought to work. And he's thinking, I've got, I've got more things than you to juggle around up here. More things than you down here to take care of. I have to take care of all of this, not just you, Bill. But I'm saying, follow this road map or I'm going to be disappointed. You know, how many people say that? When something doesn't go the way they have it planned out and mapped out and they've been praying to God and he doesn't do it. 
let's say someone's very sick in the hospital and they perish. And that person says, I prayed to God, prayed to God, but he didn't do it. He didn't save their life. So I'm not going to believe in him anymore. What kind of God doesn't answer my prayer? God knows what needs to be done, and not just in your life, but in everybody's life. Everybody involved in this, and other things, and maybe things in the future. We don't know. Because I don't know His way. I know my way, but His way is higher than mine. So I, say, I have to say, okay, Lord, it's in Your hands and not in my hands. It's not, it is not up to me. It's up to You. So we have down here, we have, see if I can get this fat, weakness. That's me. I'm weak. I'm weak because I'm having trouble socially. I've got people that are mad at me, angry at me, people that don't like me, people who don't don't think much of me, people that are people that are cursing my name. I've got I've got things going on in my family that are that are very hurtful, and so I'm weak. And then we have strength. How can I get strong? You've heard it. I've heard it. And it's there. Let God. Let go and let God. Let Him take care of it. And you accept the fact that He will take care of it. That's what Paul is talking about. When I am weak, you are strong. Let God rise up in you and take charge. And instead of you doing it your way, the way you can you see this best, what you want, your way, your weakness, you've got the weakness, he's got the strength. Turn loose. Let God do it. His grace is sufficient for us. That's what the Bible says. Give it to God. Let God relax. Rest in his promises. Let him take care of you. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy loading. I will give you rest. He will take care of it. You believe that? If you believe that, then when you're the weakest, you should be the strongest because that's when you let God rise up in you and let Him take care of it instead of you trying to do it on your own. Let's sing that song of invitation.